Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Stories and scandal water. It's where you need to be. Stories and scandal water. Let's pour you a cup of tea. Hi, Ashley. Hello, Candy. Here we are in January, ready to talk about another bend in the road. Yes. (laughs) Well, actually, I should clarify. So far, as our listeners have hopefully heard, we have had three separate episodes focused on different fascinating Mm -hmm. and beloved individuals who had different challenges come up in their lives and navigated them in different ways. Right. This one's a little different because instead of doing a deep dive into one person, Mm -hmm. we're actually going to touch on three different people. Oh, I like that. I know. And what's really cool is all three of these people have been in the news fairly recently Mm. for different things. So I think at least one of the three, possibly a couple of them, will actually be very well known even to our younger listeners. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, all right. Well, are you ready to talk about the first person? Of course. So Ashley, tell me, when you think about Michael J. Fox, uh, isn't he amazing? What's one of the most important works or what's something about his career or life that comes to mind for you? Well, it's Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what I know him as. Or uh, he was Family Ties. Yes. Right. I also watched that. But yeah, Back to the Future. Probably he's the one that started my love of time travel. <laughs> <laughs> most likely. Yeah. Kirk absolutely loves Back to the Future. Yes. I think it's one of his all-time favorite movies. In fact, he loves the entire trilogy. Does he like the third one? I think the third one might be my favorite. I have never asked that question, but I know he is a fan of all three, Mm. and he has watched them all on many occasions. Mm -hmm. And in fact, my children know the movies because of Kirk. Yes. Yeah. So, well, obviously, Michael J. Fox is the first person we're going to talk about. Now, we're not going to do a deep dive, but I am going to share just a little bit about his background before we get to the challenge that I think most everybody knows, Mm -hmm. right? His diagnosis of Parkinson's. Correct. But but here's how it all began. He was actually born Michael Andrew Fox in 1961 to William and Phyllis. I guess he didn't want to be Michael A. Fox. Well, that's funny because (laughs) he actually adopted the J in honor of the character actor Michael J. Pollard. Really? Yeah. He made a decision that he was going to make it a J. Yeah. He called himself an army brat because obviously his, his father was in the military and they moved many, many times during his childhood along, of course, with his siblings. He has a brother and three sisters. He became interested in drama at a very young age. It was 1976, and he was 15 when he actually made his professional acting debut on the TV series Leo and Me, playing a 10-year-old, because he always was kind of small Small. in stature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he really was. When he was 18, he moved to Los Angeles, and he found some jobs here and there. But of course, his big break came when, as you already mentioned, he was cast as Alex P. Keaton on Family Ties, which ran from 1982 to 1989. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. That's almost the whole 80s. Yeah, that was a long show. I remember that when he shot back 
to the Future, he was actually on Family Ties as well. So I think he Mm -hmm. was doing daytime with Family Ties and night shoots for Back to the Future. Yeah, he definitely would have been still in that series because Back to the Future was 1985. Mm, Yeah. But you bring up a good point. I don't think we often think about what that looks like for these actors who are doing a series. Right? And then they're trying to shoot a movie at the same time. Because in 1985, he did not only Back to the Future, he also starred in Teen Wolf. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And then I think they shot Back to the Future 2 and 3 back to back. Yeah, it was very tight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this was a very busy man. Yes, he was. And his popularity, of course, had skyrocketed because those movies were obviously very well received. But 1985 was also the year, this is a big year for this guy, when he met his future wife, Mm -hmm. Tracy Pollan, when she was cast as his girlfriend on Family Ties. I thought they met on the show. And that was Mm -hmm. the same thing for Kirk Cameron and his wife, I think. I think they were cast. I think I recall that too. Yeah. But now Michael and Tracy did not actually get together until they worked together on the 1988 film Bright Lights, Big City. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. And they married that year, 1988, and would eventually have four children together. Their son, Sam, who was born in 1989, twin daughters, Aquina, I think you would say, and Skylar, 1995, and their daughter, Esme, born in 2001. Those are very interesting names. So, of course, Michael had a big career. I'm not going to name everything, but a few notable movies or projects were The Secret of My Success, Casualties of War, and The American President. And then he did return to TV in 1996 playing Spin Mayor. City. Yes. Did you yeah, watch it? I did. I never saw it, mm-hmm. but I've always heard great things about it. Supposedly, Michael J. Fox played the part of Mike Flaherty. Mm, the deputy mayor. Okay. And he was also starring with Barry Bostwick and Connie Britton. Oh, yeah. I love Connie Britton. I never, she did not come across my radar until Friday Night Lights. I did not realize she was in that. So obviously, as we've just said, the show was very popular. It received good ratings and it was good for Michael because it gave him more time for his family. But what the public didn't know was mm-hmm. that Michael had actually been diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's disease back in 1991 wow. at age 29. Really? Does that happen a lot? I think it is uncommon. I did not look up the statistics, uh-huh. but it definitely read as though older people were much more likely yeah. to get Parkinson's. Yeah. Now, I looked on the website. I should give a shout out right here from the top that we're going to get to this in a moment. But Michael J. Fox, of course, does go on to create his own organization. And so the Michael J. Fox organization website had a lot of wonderful information. So this, I think, came from that. I wanted to look up the definition Mm -hmm. of Parkinson's. And so a little quote says, Parkinson's disease occurs when brain cells that make dopamine, a chemical that coordinates movement, stop working or die because it can cause tremor, slowness, stiffness, and walking imbalance problems. It is called a movement disorder. Mm. But then it goes on to explain that so many other things can happen to you as well. Constipation, Mm -hmm. depression, memory problems, other non-movement symptoms. Mm -hmm. And it is a lifelong progressive disease, which means that generally it's going to get worse over time. And it does say that symptoms can vary from one person to another. But that's basically what it is. And so it was obviously something that was devastating to Michael when he was diagnosed with it. But as we said, he continued you to work through this for many years, but he decided he needed to share the news publicly in 1998. And then in 2000 was when he announced his retirement from Spin City, which he said would happen after they completed his fourth season and they passed that 100th episode. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Syndication. Yeah. And, you know, he talked about what a great show it was, how talented the cast Mm -hmm. and the crew were, but he explained that his new priority was going to be this Parkinson's research. 
and, yes, and his family. Those, mm-hmm. you know, he really wanted to spend more time with that. Mm-hmm. So it was later that same year that he launched the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, which the New York Times has called, quote, the most credible voice on Parkinson's research wow. in the world. Wow. They have now raised over $1.5 billion. Wow. In several sources, it said this is the world's largest nonprofit funder of Parkinson's drug development. Wow. And Michael has been very involved with them the whole time. It's like, been like a second career for him. Though. Yes. I mean, you will see him in all these photos where he's at the fundraisers mm-hmm. and he's the face of it and he's talking. I mean, he's he's using his platform. Absolutely. Now, what's really impressive is he did continue to do some acting over these past many years. He's done guest appearances on shows like Scrubs, Curb Your Enthusiasm, mm-hmm. Rescue Me. He had a recurring guest role on the ABC legal drama Boston Legal. Huh. But he retired again from acting in 2020 after he found that he was struggling to remember his lines mm-hmm. while he was filming a role on Kiefer Sutherland's Designated Survivor. Mm. What struck me in terms of what happened with Michael was he told a reporter that he'd always really kind of had a, I don't know what you would call it, a talent for being able to memorize his quickly. lines quickly. You'd mm-hmm. have to. Doing the family ties during the day and Back to the Future at night, you'd have to be able to retain a whole lot yeah. of information. Yeah. And so this was the point where he realized that it was starting to kind of affect mm-hmm. his memory a little bit, mm-hmm. his cognition. And he said, quote, I couldn't focus on a line. I didn't beat myself up. I couldn't do it. So I didn't do it anymore. Mm. He just realized it was time. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say there is a new project in the works for him. We can look forward, according to this People Magazine article, a documentary that's supposed to come out in 2023. The only thing he said in this article was a little teaser that says, quote, it's about me and many different ways of looking at my life. Oh. So... That's still coming in terms of his acting career. I love that. But what was surprising to me, I had not really heard much about this, was while he had retired from acting and was focusing more on his work with the Parkinson's Research Foundation, he's been struggling with some different issues these past several years. In 2018, he had a very risky spinal cord surgery to Mm. remove a tumor that was threatening the feeling in his legs. Like he, he had the possibility of losing losing that feeling. Well, on the flip side, if he did the surgery, there was the risk of paralysis. So he had to make the decision. He went ahead and did it and it was successful, but it was very challenging. Mm. His recovery was hard. He had to basically relearn how to walk. And then while he was trying to recover, he fell and had a terrible break in his left arm and had to recover from that. So in this, there were actually several People Magazine articles about him that I referenced, but in this one particular one, it, it talked about how he lived through one of the hardest year, year and a half periods of his life because things just kept getting worse. Mm -hmm. When he fell, he broke his cheek. He had broken his hand, his shoulder. He had to get a replacement shoulder put in. I mean, so many things. And of course, Mm -hmm. he's getting a little older. Mm -hmm. You know, he said he was feeling it more. And then his mother, Phyllis, passed away in September of last year at the age of 92. Mm. Now, I bring this all up Mm -hmm. because something that I thought was powerful was when you think about, he says this is the most challenging period of his life, basically. And, you know, talk about a bend in the road. Mm -hmm. He told People Magazine, you know, the interviewer, that he has always tried to use humor and optimism as his tools to deal with all of the different challenges that have come his way and to really enjoy his life. But he said how these experiences had really tested him and he'd kind of lost his optimism. And so he talked about... To get it back, his tool was gratitude. Mm. He had to focus on being grateful for things. And that's how he basically kind of 
took him back. Out. Yes, got himself out of it, pulled that optimism back to the forefront of his mind and his way of looking at things. And another factor, according to his wife, is the fact that he's just got such a kind heart. He, he seems mm-hmm. like he would. She had a quote in the same article that said that he was one of the most kind people she's ever met. And she credited his parents <laughs> for, for raising him that way. And she said, quote, he almost always looks at the situation and at the people involved and thinks about others before he thinks about himself. What a nice guy. Yeah. So to kind of bring us towards the end of this part on Michael J. Fox, I wanted to name just a couple of his achievements. Of course, he's had a, a number in addition to all of his acting accolades, lifetime Achievement Awards. He's also written four best-selling books. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been awarded honorary degrees from different universities. He's received a number of humanitarian awards, including being appointed an Officer of the Order of Canada in 2010. But I thought I would end mm-hmm. with the thing that has been in the news very recently. Just this past November, he received one of the highest honors a performer can receive. On Saturday, November 19th, 2022, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences presented Michael J. Fox with the Jean Hersholt Humanitarian Award and also with this little Oscar statuette at their Academy's 13th Governor Awards in Los Angeles, California. And it was for his tireless advocacy and boundless optimism to change the future for millions of people and families in the Parkinson's Mm. community. And this is a big deal because since 1956, only 42 individuals or organizations have been awarded this award. Wow. And it specifically is designated to be given to an individual in the motion pictures, arts and sciences, whose humanitarian efforts have brought credit to the industry. That's kind of their little mission there in terms of... And that's not even... It's been since 1956. There's only been 40. So they don't even award it yearly. Right. I mean, this is an honor. And I wanted to end with this which just kind of touched me. Woody Harrelson was the one chosen to introduce Michael J. Fox. They are friends. Okay. And so he was chosen to introduce his friend to the stage to accept the award. And just a little piece of what he said was this. Michael J. Fox never asked for the role of Parkinson's patient, disease advocate, but make no mistake, it is his greatest performance. Mm. Michael J. Fox sets the ultimate example of how to fight and how to live. Vulnerable, Yes. Victim? Never. And inspiration? Always. Oh, Michael. Yeah. I love that. What a beautiful tribute. Yes. Well, our next personality that we're going to focus on is Christina Applegate. Oh, good. I like her. Tell me something you like about Christina Applegate. Oh, gosh. You know, she's just someone that has been on television the whole time I've been mm-hmm. growing up and I gotta say I did not enjoy Married with Children it just wasn't my humor right but I saw a movie with her that really endeared me to her it's like don't tell mom the babysitter's dead <laughs> <laughs> I really liked her in that movie and she just seems like a really sweet nice in her real life kind of person that is exactly what I would say I can't off the top of my head name any movies or projects that mm-hmm. just really resonated with me I mean I've enjoyed several of them don't get me mm-hmm. wrong but I think what stands out to me is everything that I know about her as a person mm-hmm. has painted her as just a very warm, very real, mm-hmm. very caring person. Yeah, I would like to see her, Her, I don't know if it's her last series, but her latest series, which 
of Dead to me. And I try to watch them once they're done. Mm -hmm. But I think they've completed that series. So I would like to see that. And I've heard good things about that series. They have completed it. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning as we always do. I loved this. One of the articles says, Christina Applegate has literally been acting since infancy. Really? Yeah. She was born on November 25th, 1971 in LA, and she made her television debut on the soap opera Days of Our Lives huh. in 1972 when she was only maybe three months old. What? Yeah. Her mother, who was also an actress, I believe, was holding her Aww. in that scene. But three months old, that, that child was acting. Yeah. She is long time, long career yes. in the acting She's industry. She's an old pro. Right. Now, her dad was in the industry, too. Her father was Robert William, they called him Bob Applegate, and he was a record producer, while her mother, Nancy Pretty, as we've already said, was both a singer and an actress. But her parents separated shortly after her birth, and so Christina was raised primarily by her mother, who never remarried, but for quite some time was in a relationship with Stephen Sills of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Interesting. I know. Now, her father did remarry, and so from that union, Christina has two half-siblings, Alyssa and Kyle. Now, in addition to acting, Christina, she was very well-rounded because she also had a dance background, training in various styles of dance, including jazz and ballet. I did not know that. Well, I did only because I heard about, this is going to come up in a little bit, she ended up on Broadway in the role of Sweet Charity. I didn't know that. Well, golly. I know. That's the only reason I knew that. Well, she joined the Screen Actors Guild while she was in kindergarten. Goodness. And she appeared in a number of things as she was growing up. Everything from soaps to commercials to shows like Silver Spoons, Charles in Charge, and the TV film Grace Kelly, which if I recall correctly, I think she might have played the young Young Grace. Young Grace, that would make sense. Yeah. But as you've already mentioned, her breakout role was when she was cast Mm -hmm. as the ditzy teenage sex pot, Kelly, Mm -hmm. in the long-running Fox sitcom Married with Children, which actually ran for 10 years. It was 1987 to 1997. I knew it was on a long time. Yeah. Well, she built an impressive resume over the years. We'd be sitting here for a long time if I named everything, but a few highlights after Married with Children, she won an Emmy for her work on Friends in 2003. She was in that musical that I've already mentioned, Sweet Charity, on Broadway in 2005. And of course, she co-starred in the movie Anchorman and the sequel. Do you remember that? Yeah. And she's also starred in sitcoms like Up All Night and Samantha Who. Now, in terms of her personal life, Christina has had two marriages. Her first husband was, oh, I hope I'm saying. I know that last name, boy, but he looked like my dad. Do you know? Jonathan. Shake? How would you say it? I don't know. I'm so sorry, Jonathan. How do you know him? That thing you do. Ah, (laughs) The movie with Tom Hanks. Yes. 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 But, and, and. From what my mom has said, that's what my dad looked like. From what he looks like in That Thing You Do, that's what my dad looked like when he was younger. I did love that movie. Yeah, it was so good. (laughs) Well, they started dating in 1997 and married in 2001, but were officially divorced in 2007 after six years of marriage. Mm -hmm. And it was around that same time that she was breaking up with her first husband that Christina actually faced out of the blue a very unexpected but serious health challenge. Mm -hmm. Now, I should preface this by saying Christina's mother was was a breast cancer survivor. So Christina had mm. always been very vigilant about getting her screenings. Right, right. In fact, she started doing them before it was recommended. You know, it's a certain age, you're uh-huh. supposed to start doing that. And she had been doing it like in her 30s. 
And so thankfully she had because she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2008 at the age of 36. That's young. Mm -hmm, Very young. And so because of the family history, she made the decision. She went ahead and had a double mastectomy. And also from that point on, it talked about in several sources that she made lots of changes in her lifestyle. Mm -hmm. She lives a very healthy lifestyle in terms of her eating and her sleeping, all the things. Yeah. But while she was recovering from this, one of her friends stepped up to support her. And it was a man who would end up becoming her second husband. Yeah. She had been friends with Martin Lenoble, who is a Dutch musician for years, but their friendship turned into romance as he was supporting her through this recovery. Yeah. She gave a quote to Us Weekly back in May 2010 that said, quote, I have a small but mighty support system and Martin has really been an incredible part of my life. Without him, I don't know if I could have gone through any of it. He came around at a time when there was a lot of loss in my life on many levels. So he's been a really incredible help. That's sweet. Yeah. So the two had a daughter together, Sadie, in 2011, and then they married in 2013. I'm going to go back and pick up something I, I missed that was really important. Okay. As a result of her experience with breast cancer, Christina also founded the Right Action for Women, which is this organization or program that helps at-risk women pay for MRI screenings and testing so that they can catch this. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That is really good. So we've now got Christina married to Martin and they have Mm -hmm, a daughter mm -hmm. and that I'm kind of skipping through time. You mentioned her latest series. Dead to Me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Since 2019, she has starred in Dead to Me, which has received a lot of media attention. Mm -hmm. Her role was Jen, a tough and pretty aggressive (laughs) real estate lady who is grieving the loss of her husband. And the co-star is Linda Cardellini, with whom Christina formed an immediate bond, like the two really hit it off and became Linda commented on this at some point that the characters in the show are supposed to like bond and become just Besties. best friends yeah. and that she said it mirrored that Aww. in real life That's they good really you can have that kind of friendship with your co-star Absolutely. And apparently the two are just amazing in their roles both have earned Emmy nominations for their performances and and Christina more than one. Mm-hmm. But it was during this time that she's been working on the show that Christina started to notice some issues and in one of the articles she kind of tried to trace it back and one of the the early things that reflectively she was able to kind of name as maybe the beginnings Uh of of these odd things that were happening was she remembered filming a dance sequence during the first season of Dead to Me and she said she suddenly found herself off balance and it was weird because again she's got this dance Dance background background, Mm -hmm. and then she said not long after she started to notice that her tennis game was off so those Mm -hmm. were some of her early signs and then over the next year or two she started to notice things like tingling and Mm -hmm. numbness in her you know hands and feet and it was getting worse Mm -hmm. so in the summer of 20 2021, when she was on set for the third and final season of Dead to Me, she received a diagnosis that she had multiple sclerosis, mm. which is an autoimmune disease that has many symptoms you know, that are associated with it, but it basically disrupts communication between the brain and the body. Mm. And so um, one of the articles explained, this is a quote from them, because of the problems it causes with muscle control, symptoms can include numbness and lack of coordination. And, you know, I have a sister with this, so I I know how this can affect people. And it does vary from one person to the Mm -hmm. next. You know, sometimes it can progress much more quickly for some people. um, Does it vary day to day as well? 
there can be triggers. Okay. I think there are usually triggers for people. So for example, my sister, heat is terrible for her. Oh. So if she were to, if it's a, if it's a sunny day, she doesn't need to be outside walking to her car. Okay. You know, so winter she, is better for her. Mm-hmm, does yeah. it, does a fireplace or that kind of like artificial heat or is it outdoor heat? I think if she gets too heated in any way anyway. it could do it mm-hmm. but I mean a fireplace is easy to move away from sure. yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so yeah but and and she has other triggers as well okay. but um, that's just an example yeah. so for Christina this seemed to be a, a very serious thing she was um, impacted immediately mm-hmm. and it and it was really affecting her movements and mm-hmm. and different was it ra- so it was rapid onset once yeah I didn't see that actual label I don't know okay. if that but I don't know if that's the correct terminology yeah, but yes it, it definitely affected progressed her. rapidly maybe that's... yes yes they went ahead and shut down production for five really? months as she began treatment and they tried to figure out what were they going to do yeah and there were conversations. Uh-huh. Should we just try to take whatever footage we have and wrap this season, cut, try to bring this to a close mm-hmm. and just shut it down? Or write it into the show? Right. Find a way. But Christina refused to let them just stop production. Here's a quote from her. I had an obligation to Liz, who is the creator of the show, and to Linda, mm-hmm. that's her co-star, to our story. Mm-hmm. The powers that be were like, let's just stop. We don't need to finish it. Let's put a few episodes together. I said, no, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it on my terms. Mm doing it on her terms I interpret that to mean she needed to figure out how she could do it right she was dealing with challenges that she'd never faced before and that she did not expect and from day to day the way I read it is she could not necessarily predict what was going to occur as she would try to film a scene or try to do something and something that came out across several things I read was that Christina is a very self-sufficient person they said she's very kind she treats everybody with respect but like if she's on a set she wouldn't ask a crew member to go do something for her she would do it herself Mm -hmm. yeah she wanted to be self-sufficient she treated you know again lots of respect for others and lots of independence on her own part and this took all that away it really really challenged her Mm -hmm. in that way because she decided she was going to finish filming that season but as she started to try to do it she couldn't work as long couldn't sustain uh, the time that Mm -hmm. she might have worked you know the hours heat was one of her triggers as well it would make her body give out Mm. So they had to find accommodations. She had to find accommodations. For example, they used a wheelchair to take her to set to just kind of get her there quickly and to save her that energy. Energy. And that, Mm -hmm. yes. And during different scenes, her longtime friend, who was a sound technician named Mitch Cohn, would literally be on the floor outside of the, the camera angles holding up her legs. Oh, wow. Some days she couldn't work and they would just have to, she just couldn't do it that day and they would they would find a way. They didn't really have to change anything in the script, but it might be little things like they decided every time there would be an entrance, her character, Jen, would be the one to open the doors because then she could lean, lean on it. Yep. 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 And so... They, what an accommodating, kind crew, though, right? and show. That is that is marvelous. It is. I mean, it, the strength on her part, mm-hmm. so admirable. Mm-hmm. It just absolutely... And it shows how much they loved her. That's going to come back up in a minute. Okay. I, yeah, she, she acknowledged that. But before we get to that point, I'll just say this. One of the sad things was, uh, you know, obviously you and I have not seen this, but apparently in that final season, there's actually 
some kind of a plot line that involves an, an illness, a very mm-hmm. serious illness. And they said that that made it very emotional and very challenging yeah. for Linda and Christina to get through some of yeah. that just because of how... It was mirroring Yes, it was just too close to home. And Christina literally said, quote, when Linda and I would do those scenes, it crushed us mm. sometimes. But I bet it made it so authentic. Oh. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely makes me want to go see it. Mm -hmm. But Christina finished it. She said it was the hardest thing she has ever done. But as you as you just said, one of the things that she also acknowledged was the amazing love and support that the cast gave her and how she couldn't have done it without them that Mm -hmm. they just kind of wrapped around her. And so like that was one of the powerful things about this experience. That's really beautiful. And then it was really cool because I (laughs) reading about her, I could feel that same spunk and determination even after she finished that Mm -hmm. I was reading this article from the New York Times and the the journalist who wrote it Alexis Soluski was talking about how she was conducting a video call interview with Christina which was several months ago and it was because she now wanted to promote this final season and even though this particular day she was in bed really but here's how it's described in the article Applegate was sitting up in bed her happy place where she watches reality television. That's my meditation, she said. (laughs) She had pulled her hair into a scrappy bun. Black glasses sat astride her nose and her resting face did have a certain indignant quality. But what she goes on to say is, Christina was determined, I'm going to promote this thing. Yeah, I'm doing the press I am doing this. I am not going to say I can't. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this too. She's fulfilling the rest of the obligation of the show. Yeah, absolutely. And I just that I don't know, it just kind of spoke to me, kind of touched me. Couple last things I'll share about Christina. One is in terms of her bend in the road, we've already basically acknowledged this, that the love of the people around her, the support of the people around Mm -hmm. her is one of the things that's been really helpful to her. Mm -hmm. Another of those people is Selma Blair. Oh, yeah. Yes. Are they friends? They are. Oh, they had met Way back when, when they were, actually it was 2002, I know the time, when they were in the movie The Sweetest Thing together. And so they have been friends ever since. Now, Selma was diagnosed with MS back, or she revealed it. I'm not sure exactly when the diagnosis came, but she revealed it in October of 2018. And of course, Christina is just last year. Right. But these two have supported each other. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And so Selma was quoted in People magazine saying, this is about Christina, of course. If you need something, she's at your house. There have been times I had been unglued and she's like, I'm outside. Mm. Answer the door. (laughs) She's just amazing and strong and fun. Mm. So that's talking about Christina. And then on the flip side, the article talked about how Selma has supported Christina as she was moving into this, you know, new diagnosis and this new disease, giving her tips, talking about how to make life with MS more manageable, advice about canes, just whatever came up. So that's, that's been another support for her. And then the last person I would mention is Christina's daughter. If, if you didn't catch this, Christina recently was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now, it was supposed to come out a few years ago, but the, the pandemic right, delayed that. Right. So when she was there, this is this is something she dreamed about forever. This was a big deal to her. Mm-hmm. And so it was very touching. Linda spoke and, and lots of her old castmates were there to support her. But when it was time for Christina to speak, here's a piece from her speech. My daughter is the most important person in the world. And then she kind of looks towards Sadie and she says, you are far more than you realize. You are so lovely, sweet, astute, and fascinating. I'm grateful every day that I get to get up and drive you to school. I appreciate you supporting me through everything. 
This little tear. I know. I know. <laughs> well, before we move on to our last person, want to take a little break? Yes, let's do it. Well, I think the last person that we're going to talk about today is somebody that everybody will know. <sighs> Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yes. Yes. And my kids, they're obviously a lot younger and they're like, Mom, everybody knows Robert Downey Jr. Everybody knows Robert Downey right. Jr. Yeah. And and the funny thing is, is, of course, I think everybody's thinking of his role as Iron Man in, mm-hmm. in the Marvel movies. But honestly, he's been in the news recently for another reason. Yeah. Have you seen that he has been working on and promoting a documentary about his father? Yes, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the documentary yet, but I did I did hear about it. Well, he was deeply involved in creating it. It was a process that took a while, several years, and it's now out. It's on Netflix. Has his father passed away? Yes. Okay. Yes. And in this documentary, which is called Senior, Robert Downey Jr., pays tribute to his dad who was a director who made nearly 20 indie films in his career and was apparently very creative and kind of different in the way he would approach things avant-garde there you go nice word but this particular documentary is described as being quote an intimate exploration of the maverick director's colorful life and rebellious career as well as his relationship with his son before he passed away from parkinson's disease Mm -hmm on July 7th, 2021 at 85. Mm. Now, here's what was interesting to me is I think most people who know Robert Downey Jr.'s life story at yeah, all are yeah. probably going to predict that we're going to be talking about the bend in the road he faced, right. which was overcoming his addiction to drugs. Right. But what was interesting to me as I did a little research mm-hmm. was the role that his dad played in that. Really? Yeah. Now, was his father aware of the documentary? Because if he passed in 2021, was he a part of it? They created it together. Okay. Yes. His father was intimately involved okay. with it. Okay. In fact, let's go ahead and, and address this right now since you brought it up. They took the idea to his dad and he signed on for it, knowing that they were going to hit all the aspects of okay. his life, including some that were really touchy, mm-hmm. and knowing that it was going to be invasive. They were going to mm-hmm. have cameras set up around. They were going to record phone calls. Like they were really going to try to... Deep, deep dive. Yes, deep, deep dive. But what was interesting is because dad was a director this was how he had run things almost all his life he was always filming things in Mm. fact Rob we're going to talk about this in a second but Robert Downey Jr. and his mom they would act in seniors films cameras were always everywhere so dad was like sure I'll do this and and nothing was really off guard because that was another thing Robert Downey Jr. said I don't want to do a puff piece I don't want to I don't want to avoid things we're going to tell the truth or I don't want to do this Mm, I like that so now that we've given you a little preview of what's to come let's go ahead and start at the beginning Okay. All right. So he was born to his dad and his actress mom, Elsie Ann, in New York on April 4th, 1965. And let's just go ahead and state it, even though it's obvious, his dad is Robert Downey Sr. Right. Okay. And as we've said, both Robert Downey Jr. and his mom acted in a lot of those movies. Robert Downey Jr. made his first appearance when he was five years old in his dad's movie, Pound. His dad not only directed it, he had written it as well. Interesting. Yeah. Now, he continued to appear in some of dad's films here and there, but Robert Downey Jr. also started to make his name as a Hollywood actor. Mm-hmm. So through the 80s and 90s, for example, here are just a few things that he did. He was in movies like Firstborn, 
weird science and girls just want to have fun he he was in girls just want to have fun (laughs) i loved that movie and i don't remember him i'll have to go back and watch that again isn't that funny here's something i didn't know he did a season of saturday night life the 1985 to 1986 yes I mean, had you ever heard that no. before? Yeah. And then ultimately, all these things led to a couple of movies that really helped him to take off, which were... Chaplin. Chaplin. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was amazing in that. Yeah. The Pickup Artist. I didn't mm. see that one. Less Than Zero. And and I don't think this one was quite as big, but he was in Air America with Mel Gibson. He was also in Only You. People, that's an amazing... Oh. If you love romantic comedies, go watch that. Marissa Tomei, oh. Robert Downey Jr., Bonnie Hunt. You know I love her. Yes. I will give a plug for that movie. Love it. Okay. Well, thanks. And it's got scenes in Italy. Nice. It's beautiful. Well, I should say Chaplin was big for him because not only did he, you know, get some nice critical praise. He was nominated for the Academy Award. Exactly. So that was huge. You know who directed that? Who? I believe Richard Attenborough. No. Who is? John Hammond, who spared no expense. (laughs) Of course we come back to Jurassic Park. All roads lead to Jurassic Park. (laughs) That is so funny. Do you remember Robert Downey Jr. being in Natural Born Killers? No. He was. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, (laughs) so we digress. But around this time, as he's making his name and he is taken off in Hollywood, he is also struggling with addiction. Mm. Now, here are some things that have come out, much of it through this documentary that people may not have known. One of the things that is revealed is that... Robert Downey Jr.'s dad, I'm just going to call him senior for sake of clarity. His dad actually introduced him to drugs. Really? Yes. Mm. And purposely or accidentally? Well, he he was being kind of funny, flip it, but it was purposeful. So as we've already alluded, they decided they were going to talk about, you know, everything in Mm -hmm. this documentary. And so senior also had a big struggle with addiction. Did he? When they were making this, there apparently is a scene where they're on the phone together and Robert Downey Jr. actually brings up to his dad, this is being filmed, Mm -hmm. it's on the documentary, and he says, quote, you know, I think we would be remiss to not discuss its effect on me. And his dad replied, boy, I could sure love to miss that discussion. Mm. But they talked about it. Okay. And so Robert's dad, Sr., openly admits he had a serious problem with addiction. In the documentary says that if he could give advice to his younger it would be quote don't touch drugs Mm -hmm. and then apparently he looked toward the camera and added i was a drug addict mainly cocaine and marijuana total total insanity Mm. i misspoke a moment ago it was not actually in the documentary but in a 2000 interview with vanity fair that senior told the story of how he gave drugs to his son when robert was six and and he saw him sipping wine and so this is a quote from that article we were all sitting around smoking grass and playing poker down in the old west village loft and robert was staring at me kind of funny robert was always an observer of it all even at a very young age and i go you know you ought to try a little of this instead of drinking i passed him a joint he's six mm-hmm. drinking what does he mean try this instead of drinking well he had saw him sipping some of the oh, wine that was saw, sitting out robert junior junior was sipping gotcha. some of the wine okay mm-hmm. and then the last sentence was senior saying and suddenly i knew i had made a terrible stupid mistake no so robert was introduced to 
marijuana, you know, his first introduction to drugs at age six. And I do not know the exact timeline of how it progressed, but he definitely was struggling with drugs and his substance abuse before he'd even become a teenager. Mm. You know, you kind of have to piece things together. And and I did not do as deep a dive, of course, since we were kind of doing this little trio of people. But one of the things that I saw that I thought was interesting was Robert Downey Jr. and Sarah Parker. They used to date. Yeah, they had. Did you know that? Sarah Jessica? Yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm-hmm. They were very serious. And they had first met when they were on the set of the 1984 drama First Born. They were both 18 years old and they moved in together within like a few months. And they broke up apparently in 1991 with both of them later saying that the primary reason was his addiction. Mm. So we know that by the time he was 18, 18. 19, he was struggling already. Yeah. And a quote from an interview that he gave to Parade Magazine back in 2008 said, quote, I like to drink and I had a drug problem. And that that didn't jibe with Sarah Jessica because it's the furthest thing from what she is. Mm. She provided me a home and understanding. She tried to help me. She was so miffed when I didn't get my act together. I was in love with Sarah Jessica and love clearly was not enough. Yeah, sometimes it's not. He also shared some specific stories of his drug use and how he was struggling and, and the problem was escalating while he was filming the 1987 movie Less Than Zero. The role he played was paralleling pretty closely to what was happening in his life yeah. and he said it actually kind of caused him to spiral mm-hmm. and so at this point he acknowledges his problem was very serious and this would have been about the time he was 21 or 22. That's so young. Yeah well he went ahead and got married to a different lady obviously not Sarah Jessica it, it was actress and singer Deborah Falconer back in 1992 after 42 days of dating Ooh. and their son Indio Falconer Downey was born in 1993 but Robert and and his wife separated in 1996, even though their divorce didn't actually go through until 2004. Oh. But again, sources speculate the primary reason for their split was his addiction. Mm-hmm. And his addiction became very public in 1996. That was when the police stopped him for speeding and found small amounts of cocaine and heroin and an unloaded 357 Magnum in his truck. And just over three weeks later, hours before he was charged with the count stemming from his arrest, he was cited for trespassing and being under the influence of a controlled substance after he had wandered into a neighbor's house and passed out in one of the kids' bedrooms. That's bad. Yeah. So they kept trying to work with him. He was being ordered to, to take drug tests by the court mm-hmm. and, and he didn't show up for a lot of those. Very know. self-destructive. Yeah. So finally, he was sent to state prison in 1999. Did you remember that I he did, actually served yeah. some time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he was actually sentenced to three years, but he was paroled in 2000 after serving about a year. But then he was arrested twice more in the course of the next eight months. And at one point during this time period, they found him wandering the streets of Los Angeles barefoot. Mm. So it said in, an, in a Guardian article that it, at his lowest point, Robert was, quote, homeless, nearly bankrupt, and virtually unemployable. I, I believe it was Mel Gibson that really went to bat for him. You are correct. Yeah. yeah. Because when Mel went through his, whatever he went through, Robert stood by him. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, he was able to get clean. Robert checked into rehab and all the sources agree that he's basically been sober since 2003. Oh, that's good. That's amazing. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Now, you just brought it up. You know, he goes clean, he gets sober, 
and he can't get back into acting. Right. Nobody like, trusts him. No, no, he is such a risk. And so it was Mel Gibson who, you know, again, they'd been friends They'd since they'd starred in Air America back in 1990. Robert wasn't finding any bond companies that would insure him so mm-hmm. that he could act. And so Mel Gibson was producing the movie The Singing Detective. The Singing Detective. I couldn't mm-hmm. remember the name of it. And he not only helped get his friend apart, but he paid the money to insure Robert himself, agreeing that he would pay if Robert defaulted for okay. any reason. Okay. So he really put himself behind it. And Mel Gibson had a quote to Vanity Fair. Here's just a little piece of it. He said, everybody was set to write the guy off and it was hard to watch because he's so talented. And so you think, what's happening there? And you know, he's his own worst enemy. He's flawed. We're all flawed. I'm more flawed than he is. It's something you recognize and have empathy with but the guy made this amazing bid for life that's nothing short of astounding Mm. so with mel's help he got back to work and this helped him ultimately get back on track with his life it also helped of course to support his sobriety because he was working and And just think about it It, he got clean and sober in 2003 and i believe the timeline is 2008 is when iron man comes out five years he was five years yeah. That close. Right. Well, another positive that really helped him as he was working to, to get himself on track was he became involved with another lady who would turn into his second wife soon. Her name was Susan Levin, and they met when Robert was starring in Gothica with mm. Halle Berry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Susan was actually producing the film. Yeah, she was a producer. Mm-hmm. Through her job with a production company called Silver Pictures. And it said that at first she wasn't too sure about him. She didn't really want to number one date the star of one of the movies that she was working Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. but she also told Hollywood Reporter in 2014 that she found him quote interesting but weird (laughs) that's probably accurate (laughs) but she decided she would go on a date with him and they hit it off and within a few months they were engaged and two years later in 2005 they were married Mm. they have two kids together now Exton Elias was born in 2012, and their daughter, Avery Roel, was born in 2014, and they work together. They they yeah. are business partners they have together. They a production company. Yes. How do you know this? Is it, are I you don't fan, know. Are you a fan, I, or is I, this I, just kind of a trivia thing? It's kind of a trivia thing. Okay. Yeah, well, I am a fan of his, but mm-hmm. so I kind of absorb what he does. Yeah. Well, they formed the production company Team Downey That's in 2010. Mm-hmm. And apparently they've done pretty well together. Now, something that I thought was pretty cool is she did, Susan, at some point say that she'd kind of given him an ultimatum at one point that in order for their relationship to work, he had to stay sober. But when they were screening this film, Senior, mm-hmm. I think I saw a video clip where Susan and Robert were answering some questions after a screening because I... Don't hold me to this, but I'm pretty sure it's their company, their production company that might have worked Done. on Senior. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But I know they were both on stage answering questions. And somebody asked Susan about the coincidence that both Robert and Senior really kind of turned their lives around when they had good relationships with strong women mm-hmm. and basically kind of giving them credit. And Susan said something I thought was kind of cool. She said, if anybody has ever dealt with someone with addiction, you know it has nothing to do with someone else. Mm. They have to be ready. If you can be a small part of creating an alternative world for them that says, hey, I'm here. If you're clean, great. 
but there's no credit I will ever take other than basically saying, here's what I need to have happen, or more importantly, what can't be happening. Mm -hmm. But it's entirely that person. That's true. That's very true. You can't can't do it for them. It has to be their choice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you just said, over the years, as he's been sober, his career has skyrocketed. The role of Tony Stark, of course, has taken his popularity to the highest levels. Yeah, as high as Iron Man can fly. And he's, of course, made a whole lot of money. Mm -hmm. In fact, just to give a quick example, he earned $50 million from the one movie, The Avengers Alone, and another $75 million for 2019's Avengers Endgame. Wow. Now, here's something cool to kind of bring us to the end of this part on Robert Downey Jr. Wes Bentley, who stars in Yellowstone. I've never seen that, but Mm -hmm. I know him as Seneca Crane in the Hunger Games series. Mm -hmm. Well, he shared that it was watching Robert Downey Jr. be open publicly about his own battle with drug addiction that was what inspired him, Wesley, to beat his own drug problem. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He said, quote, I was in the deepest throes of my addiction and in the worst place and at death's door, I guess, or at risk of it. And I saw him, meaning Robert, be so bold and brave and open and it saved me. Hmm. And just this last quote from Wesley was, he's now been sober, by the way, since 2009. He added, so I thought if I do that too, meaning be open about his problem, I can maybe pass that on to somebody else. That's like paying it forward. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Armchair psychologist. So there we go, Ashley. We have now talked about what I would consider to be three success stories. Yeah, overcomers. Yeah, these are people Mm -hmm. who took some pretty serious challenges Mm -hmm. and they did some really amazing things with them. And so I would just ask you, what are some of your thoughts about this? Well, the one thing that's I think strikes me the most is how they have taken something that is potentially deeply devastating or is deeply devastating and turned it around, used it for good mm-hmm. and said, okay, and been honest. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, I think the thing that has impressed me the most is how their honesty has kind of led to helping other people. They haven't tried to hide anything about their lives, whether the obstacle was physical or would you say mental for Robert overcoming the drug addiction? Is that more mental? I I don't know how we would call it, but I think it's beyond mental. I feel yeah. like there's there is a chemical or a Something, physical. Whatever yeah. it was when they were honest about it and mm-hmm. overcame it. And then they turned it around and said, how can I now help the next person? Mm-hmm. And maybe they won't have to go as low as I did. You know, that's just a mark of, I think, a really good person that takes adversity and says, I don't want you to have to go through what I did. So let me help you through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, something that spoke to me as well as their determination to help other people. I also saw the importance of a strong support system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What a difference it makes when... Yeah, like Christina's yes. set crew that surrounded her and and sounds like Robert's family. And and Michael J. Fox's family and as well. And their family, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I feel like that makes such a difference for them and for, for well for all of us right mm-hmm. i mean it's just in general what a what a wonderful thing in life to have a strong support system but one other thing i i don't think we've mentioned yet is having a purpose yeah like it's so important i think like for example i think in christina's case she's wondering can i act anymore i, w- I was gonna ask you did she retire from acting or is she just putting it on pause I don't know if she's made a declaration about that, but I think she's trying to figure out if she can. And so I'm just looking at these people, 
Michael J. Fox sometimes took a step back from mm-hmm. acting. And so as as you're noticing your life changing and your path all of a sudden going in a different direction, I, I saw all three of these people trying to find what is my purpose? What, right. what is it that's going to keep me going if it's not what I thought it was going to be? Right. And they've all kind of pivoted. Mm-hmm. They've hit that bend in the road and they've gone, all right, I'm going to follow it. This is not where I expected the destination to go, but I'm going to see it through to the to the end. Let's... And I'm not just wandering. Like I am now, yeah. I've got a new destination in yeah. mine and yeah. I am forging my way. Yeah. Definitely. And such such strong people. Mm-hmm. All three I like of them. How, I also like how positive they've been about it. Now, we don't know. I'm sure everyone has days where they're sad and depressed, but they've not let that be their permanent state of mind. Mm-hmm. They've just said, okay, this is what's happening to me. So I'm going to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just so many admirable things because, you know, as you're researching and you're hearing about, I mean, think about Michael J. Fox and just all of those things that occurred to him in the course of that one year and a half. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, we could look at all three of them and, and name some of these things, but that's just so difficult. It's yeah. just so difficult. And, and it's just admirable to hear these people's stories and to think about the examples they've set. Yeah. And it makes you be a little bit more like, for me, like, buck it up. Where you talked about that one, <laughs> you talked about Michael, poor Michael, having all of these things happen to him. I had this rash of I'd never had this rash of physical injury like I did. And it was fall of 2019. And I have carpal tunnel in in my right hand. And I went to turn off my alarm one morning and my thumbnail, I didn't feel the weight of my own hand. Mm. And I, with my thumbnail, scratched it across my eye and took a chunk out of my eye. Oh my gosh. Yes. Mm. That was horrible. But... Here's the thing. Like a week before that, I was wearing some kind of bell-bottom pants. And it was a very windy day. I walked outside and I stepped on the inside of my pants and I went down like a lead mm. and I busted my lip. I have a, I have a, when I was a little kid, I had uh, my tooth went through my lip and then the I have a match on the top now. So when I went to the emergency room, I had a busted lip. I had a <laughs> chunk out of my eye and they're like, are you okay? Do we need to? And I, and I had to say, no, I did all of this to myself. Right. But here I am like thinking, being whiny about that. And poor Michael J. Fox, you know what he's going through. Yeah. It just makes me go like, chill out lady. <laughs> so you had a bad month yeah. or a bad week. It is an example. It does mm-hmm. make you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. I go back to what Woody Harrelson said when he talked about how unexpected those things were that occurred to Michael J. Fox and yeah, vulnerable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Victim never. You know, and I think that that's where sometimes we do make the choice. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, this whatever I'm facing is hard and it Mm -hmm. might be devastating. But I'm going to get through it. Right. What what can I do about it? What what am I going to do? I'm going to try to to figure something out here. Yep. Yeah. A big cheers to Michael J. Fox, Christina Applegate, and Robert Downey Jr. Thank you for your example. Yes. Of perseverance and facing the odds and overcoming. Cheers. Cheers. If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can 
join the Scandal Water community through our Scandal Water Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandal Water Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music, Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the hosts during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.